0: What's up Sumner Vet Hospital? This is Dr. Sugarman. For anybody who doesn't know me, I'm the overnight emergency veterinarian. Um, So I had put out this um, uh, survey and asked if you guys wanted to listen to me talk or really, would you like to listen to a podcast? Uh, Just educational things, just things about the hospital things about um the things that we see every day i know it's really hard sometimes for us to take time out to be able to talk to you guys about like what we're seeing what we're doing every day and so i thought this would be a great way to for everybody who wants to learn about these things to to learn about um hopefully if everybody really likes these or if anybody really likes them uh, we will continue on with this series so uh, i picked uh black cats as our first topic for um our series here i think because it, they're just it, literally everybody deals with them everybody from receptionist to the triage person to the treatment person the hospital person and even general practice all have to deal with our blocked cats so i'm just gonna dive in here for a second so the when we think about blocked cats there's lots of different names for them so some people call them fluted so feline lower, lower urinary tract disease some people call it fic Um, feline idiopathic cystitis uh, you'll hear called Pandora syndrome there's lots of different names where we will kind of get into that in here in just a little bit but uh, basically what happens is our typical scenario is that uh, owner calls in and they're like they talk to the receptionist you know they talk to Tiana and they're like hey you know my cat keeps doing these weird behaviors it's going in and out of the litter box Um, he's meowing a lot I think he's constipated uh by the way he's a male cat uh, it doesn't matter if they're young or old but just male cat he's licking his penis a lot i'm not really sure what's going on with them i keep seeing drops of blood all around the house like do you think that this is an emergency do we need to come in right now and tiana who's super smart is like yes yes you need to bring your cat in now you know maybe it's not an emergency but those are like kind of the most common things that we hear from owners is like you know, they cat is licking their penis. They're vocalizing a lot. People often think that they're constipated. And some people are pretty astute and they're like, you know, they're actually trying to urinate all over the house or they're trying to spray um, or it looks like they're going into corners and trying to pee or that they're just like literally on top of them trying to pee or on their bed trying to pee. Um, but most people actually think that they're constipated. And then um, also that they um, see them just going in and out of the litter box very, very frequently, and some people notice that they're not producing any urine, but other people, like I said, they just think that they're just constipated. So, Gianna says, "Yes, please bring your cat in immediately. You know, we need to check it out, and make sure it's urinating appropriately." So they bring the cat down, and then you are know, a triage person. If this is still COVID days, you're know, a triage person at the front desk. Says. Ask the same questions, you know, have you noticed your cat urinating? Um, They go through the same questions with them. And let's say we have Christina up there. Christina brings back the cat for our doctor to look at. Uh, We'll say we have Dr. Morin who's back there today. And what Dr. Morin is looking for is, is that cat's bladder firm? And is it large versus small? That kind of tells us a couple of things. So firm usually means that the cat is blocked. So think about um, let's say you were trying to push against a wall for hours your that wall is not going to move right but your muscles are going to tighten up so badly because you have not been able to push that wall but you just keep trying that bladder is doing the same thing so you have a bladder or you have a sorry you have a muscle around your bladder and it is doing the same thing it is trying to push that or whatever it is that's stopping up that bladder it's trying to push the urine out of the penis or out of the bladder but it just can't so it's like tightens up and it's and it just can't push anything out so with the fact that it's small versus large doesn't mean a huge amount the firmness really kind of tells us more whether the cat is blocked or not a large bladder can tell us that it's been going on for a longer period of time versus a smaller bladder is probably a shorter period of time or at least that it was fully blocked for a shorter period of time a larger bladder um, those cats usually tend to be sicker than our smaller blocked cats or smaller bladder blocked cats because again it's probably been going on for longer but that's not like a definite thing Um, the other big thing too is sometimes you'll have a large bladder and it's not firm. Sometimes that means that the cat had a partial urinary blockage, meaning that it can get a little bit of urine out, but not its whole stream out. Not all cats who have a large bladder have a blockage. You can have cats who have a problem with their nerve of the, of the muscle of that bladder, or you might have a cat that got hit by a car, so it has damage to the muscle of the bladder. Um, or you might have a cat that's just been literally in a... A box for 12 hours and hasn't been able to pee, right? So not all of them are going to be a blocked cat, but the firmness is usually a really good giveaway for us that it was a blocked cat. So Dr. Moran's like, okay, perfect. We've got a blocked cat. You know, get the temperature, get its weight, get all of its normal vitals. Christina goes off to do all of that. And Dr. Moran goes to talk to the client. So typically we're calling the client and going over all of the reasons why they might become blocked. This is usually the part that you guys don't really hear about. We're not really usually talking about it in the room with you. We're not talking about it on the phone with you. You know, so you guys are usually doing all of that background stuff while and getting stuff prepared while we're talking to the client. So I'm just going to kind of take you through what I'm usually talking to the client about for all of their blocked cats. So there's multiple reasons why a cat blocks. So the two most common reasons why they block is usually due to crystals or idiopathic. So crystals, first of all, is usually from the diet. It's not necessarily because they're feeding a bad diet. Like, you know, you could buy a really expensive bag of food and it's just the way that the cat responds or reacts to that diet. And what happens is that cat starts to make crystals because they're, ph of their blood or urine becomes too basic by basic i mean like basic and acidic so if you think of like really basic is things like ammonia versus acidic is things like you know like acid that burns your skin type thing so their urine becomes too basic and they tend to make a a crystal called struvite crystals if their urine is too acidic it tends to make calcium oxalate crystals but for cats it typically is going to be a struvite crystal so they make these struvite crystals and all of these crystals start to bunch up and make these little balls which go into the urethra so real quick anatomy you have your your bloodstream that gets filtered into your kidneys the kidneys get filtered down into the ureters the ureters go into the bladder and the bladder goes into the urethra the urethra goes into the penis, urine goes out to the world, right? So all of those crystals form this little ball and they get stuck in the urethra on their way to the penis and sometimes into the penis. And then the cat can't can't urinate around them. But, um, so usually, like I said, it's usually the diet. Uh, sometimes it's from a diet change, or sometimes it can be a multiple of uh, other things that can create these crystals. You know, it's just kind of like the perfect storm that creates them. Sometimes it has been on this diet for, you know, for years and years and years, and some other things help to create these crystals. It could be a lot of different things. But, but the one thing we know is we have to change that diet if that's the case. So the other thing that's normally a cause of this is called idiopathic. So this is the one that we typically call FIC, or feline idiopathic cystitis. We don't know. That's what idiopathic means. We don't know. It just happens. So that can be due to a stressful event. That can be due to um cat gaining a lot of weight. It can be due to who knows. They, we just don't know. There's just a multitude of things that could could have happened that just caused that. The that, those are the hard ones because we just it's hard to manage those. You know, if it's from crystals, it's a little bit easier because we know we have a diet change that we have to to implement. Versus idiopathic, if you don't know what the cause is. It's much harder to fix, right? So the other things are not as common of things, but do occur. So you can have stones. So cats can get urinary stones that can cause a blockage. Or you can have a urinary tract infection. Again, not as common of one. Um, A lot of times those happen because it already had a urinary blockage. And, uh, you know, it was due to like the handling of the urinary catheter or... Um, due to some system that a different veterinarian put in or who knows what is usually from like just a reoccurrence of something but but they can have a urinary tract infection that does lead to a blockage as well and then the very last one is from strictures you can think of that as kind of like scar tissue inside the penis or inside the urethra Uh, again that typically occurs because of like a prior urinary catheter or even stones that have been there. Like there has to have been something that created that scar tissue to have formed. But again, still not as common, but it potentially can happen. So we've talked about all those things, like these are all the things that could potentially cause that, you know, we would need to, the next step is like, we need to unblock the cat. So what we typically do is we talk to them about like hospitalizing the cat we want to hospitalize them for 48 hours we put in a urinary catheter and then we want to put them in put them on IV fluids for that 48 hours as well so the problem with why we need to put them on IV fluids is when all of that urine is in the bladder it is backing up from the bladder into the ureters into the kidney and into the bloodstream so we talked about how the kidney it, it Gets rid of all that waste in the bloodstream, like that's its job. If I can't do that, all of that waste black backs up in the bloodstream. So their kidney levels go up, their potassium goes up, and we'll talk about that in just a second why that's really important. Um, but all of those, all that waste is just backed up into their bloodstream, and we need to get all of that out. Plus, we need to flush out all of that stuff from the bladder. We want to make sure that the urethra is able to relax so that all of those crystals or or red blood cells or white blood cells or whatever it is is in there can come out as well so we want to hospitalize them for that 48 hour time period our second option is you can do what we call treat street. so that means that we unblock the cat we give them as many medications to try to help give them as much success as possible and then we send them home it is not a great option unfortunately a very very large percentage of them will reblock so We don't like to do that option if we don't have to um, because we know the chances of them reblocking are so high and then the last option you know is unfortunately putting them to sleep and and we don't like doing that it's not our favorite thing to do obviously we don't want to do that if we don't have to but we always have to consider the fact that if somebody can't afford to do this now there is a chance that they're going to reblock again in a week in a month in a couple months and they're going to have to go through this all again and if they can't afford to do it again, you know, then we're going to be right back to where they were. Or let's say they reblock, you know, they they get through this hospitalization and they can't afford to even give the cat the medication or the the food that they need for the rest of their life. They're going to be back in the same position again. So, unfortunately, even though these are young cats a lot of times that we're having to euthanize, unfortunately sometimes it's for their own good. So, you know we give them these three options and then by that time we're usually going over their estimates with them and leaving them to the decision of what they want to do by that time usually our treatment person or whoever's doing air sedation is usually getting stuff set up for that um, i don't usually talk about like what kind of sedation to use because every doctor is different and it's up to them as to what they want to use um, there's no right or wrong as to which medications they want to use but the big things for the technicians are um, when you are getting everything set up for your doctors is to also make sure you're getting set up for your ecg so this is super important because the fact that when you put your cat on the ecg that gives us a lot of very important information even if you draw blood on your cat and you put your catheter in beforehand which you should but, like, you know, lots of cats are very painful, they're very fractious, and sometimes you just can't and you have to sedate them first in order to get their blood. But let's say, even if I got their blood work and I was able to see their kidney values are through the roof, their potassium is through the roof, that doesn't actually tell me what the potassium is doing. So, what potassium typically does, it does lots of different things. But on the heart specifically, it causes an arrhythmia or it causes a disturbance in the rhythm of the heart so the rhythm of the heart is not is not in the correct rhythm what that does is it causes almost like a heart attack for the cat so when we put these cats on the ecg that tells me what the potassium is doing to the heart they've done lots of studies to show like you can have a potassium of six and it should do exactly this and you can have a potassium of 10 and should do exactly this but that's not always true. I have definitely seen cats who have had a potassium that was just a little bit high and their ECG was all over the place. And I've seen cats who have had a potassium greater than 10 and their, their ECG looked normal. But that ECG is going to tell me exactly what's happening with the heart. So every cat that is blocked, as soon as they get put under sedation, should be put on an ECG. So as a technician, what you should be looking for are the steps of what happens so the first the, real quick just what a normal ecg should look like you should look up a picture of this but the first you have three big main waves so first you'll see like this little itty bitty p wave this little bump that goes up then you're gonna see a couple weird waves like they're bigger taller waves they're called the qrs complex and then after that you'll have another little bump that kind of looks like the p wave it's called the t wave So what happens first when your potassium goes up is the T wave, so that last bump, starts to get bigger and bigger and bigger. So it's getting much bigger than that P wave. That P wave then starts to get smaller and smaller and smaller until it disappears completely. Then your QRS complex, that middle portion of big waves, starts to get taller and wider and weirder. And that whole... T wave just kind of disappears completely and that's bad so when it gets to that point that is very bad so when i see these changes on the ecg that tells me what i need to do for the cat in order to be able to make sure that cat lives through what's going on so when i see those changes that tells me i need to do a couple of things one we're giving usually um, dextrose so dextrose is glucose What it does is it actually drives potassium into the cell. There's these special pumps on the cell that tells the potassium to go into the cell. Now, that's not meaning that we're getting rid of potassium completely. It's just taking it out of the bloodstream, which means it can't go to the heart and cause a problem. We're just telling it to go into the rest of our other cells. And then we're also using calcium. Sorry, real quick, I'm going to back up. Some people also use insulin not wrong. I do not use it. Again, some people want to use it. If they want to use it, that's fine. Um, but it does the same same thing as the dextrose does. And then the other thing we're going to use is our calcium. So the calcium, what it does is it tries to help protect the heart. So it's trying to make it so that the heart can pump efficiently because it's, being, it's just being like flooded with potassium right now. And so we're trying to make it so we're giving more calcium to tell the heart to pump better, even though we have so much potassium on board. But you'll usually see us give both the dextrose and the calcium together to try to help the heart um, as best that we can, to try to help stop that like heart attack that basically occurs. The third drug that sometimes we'll give is albuterol which you can also give even when they're under sedation or under anesthesia. You just do a puff of albuterol and that does the same thing as dextrose does, is it drives the potassium into the cells. This is a temporary thing, like a pretty temporary thing. Dextrose, a lot of times, like you can put them, give them the injection, you can put them on a CRI of it, like in their fluid bag. Uh, Versus albuterol is when like, if I see that, that QRS complex, like big, wide, weird, I'm probably going to give all three medications very quickly to try to help make sure that that cat lives through that sedation, because that albuterol just doesn't last very long, but we want to just try to decrease things as quick as possible. So like I said, they, you know that's super important. Put your cat on an ECG and look at those things because because that could mean like life or death for your cat. So after that, you know, we unblock the cat. The um, the person who's doing the procedure is usually needing to put in a um, placement x-ray for us after we've unblocked our cat, and we're checking for a couple of things. One, people are always like, why are we taking a placement x-ray? Obviously, there's urine coming out of this urinary catheter. You're obviously in the bladder. So we're doing this for a couple of reasons. One, you could have something called a uroabdomen, uh, so sometimes... If that bladder has ruptured that urine will spill out into the abdomen and if that happens and I put in a a urinary catheter and it goes into the abdomen it's gonna look like I'm in the bladder but I'm not I'm actually just in the abdomen so I'm looking to make sure I'm actually in the bladder and not just in a uro abdomen the other thing I'm doing is I'm looking for stones because I don't know if I've hit a stone when I've put that urinary catheter in. All I've noticed is I've, I've hit something gritty or I've hit something that just stopped me and I was able to push it into the bladder. So I'm looking for some of those stones, which by the way, not all stones can be seen on an X-ray. So let's say later on, for some reason you need to look at that cat on an ultrasound and you happen to look at it and you think that there might be stones on that ultrasound. You might be right. You know, we might not have seen that on an X-ray But it might be on that ultrasound because not all stones can be seen on an x-ray, but all stones can be seen on an ultrasound. So if you do see something that you think might be stones, definitely come and tell us because you could definitely be correct. So we take those placement x-rays, make sure that that is correct. Um, Sometimes too, if for some reason we cannot get that urinary catheter in, um, one of the things that people will do is called a therapeutic cystocentesis. So that means that we're sticking a needle into the bladder and removing as much urine as possible. Some people will even do that before, like, well, we're waiting to see, like, what the client is going to do. And this has good things and bad things to it. So those good things are we're trying to decrease the pressure of that bladder so that hopefully we can get that urinary catheter in. Thinking about, like, you know, if you think about, like, a balloon, like, the more it stretches, the harder it is to be able to push something into it versus a very flimsy balloon you know you can like easily poke your finger into it same concept with that bladder um the the uh the potential uh problems that could occur with doing a therapeutic cystocentesis is let's say you have an awake cat and the cat moves during it you could slice the bladder and then cause your abdomen because it moves and then know we slice open that bladder because it's very fragile especially if it's very very big the other thing is that sometimes you can cause bleeding into the abdomen if you hit one of the vessels and it doesn't want to stop bleeding but um, those risks are pretty small because uh, a lot of times you know we're doing them sedated or we're giving them really good pain control beforehand so we're trying to always like mitigate those risks as much as possible so like i said sometimes if we can't get that bladder we'll have to do a a, a uh, therapeutic cystocentesis so then that same person you know, whoever's doing our treatment stuff they're wrapping the tail and they're also flushing that that urinary catheter as much as possible we want to try to get out as many white blood cells as many red blood cells as many crystals as possible in that first flushing like we want to make it as clear as possible that's going to help like help that cat tremendously in a couple of ways one is going to be less junk for it to have to like try to get out of that urinary catheter when all of that stuff like settles down to the bottom later on so if people don't flush it it's just all just going to settle at the bottom and then it gets stuck and then we have to flush that catheter flush it and flush it then maybe it doesn't work and the cat's just like straining and straining because that catheter doesn't work we're kind of putting it back in the same position that it was in before and then the other reason to like flush that catheter um, is because that saline and those that LRS that we're using, it actually does have some anti-inflammatory properties to it. So it also helps the bladder heal as well. So we want to make sure we flush that bladder really well. So like I said, tape it. Also tape that line to the tail. Want to make sure it doesn't pull on the penis because that's really painful for them. And again, we want to try to decrease the amount of stress and stuff for this cat uh, because that's gonna try to help decrease the chances of him re-blocking as well. So now that treatment person passes our cat over to the people who are doing the hospitalized patients. So we'll say Lindsay takes over our cat and you know makes him a nice bed, makes him a really uh, stress-free area, puts up towels for him, puts in a, a hiding box area for him, uh, you can put feel-away in there for him. So you can spray some feel-away on a towel and then put that towel into the kennel with them. Don't spray the feel-away in the kennel with them. Especially cats who have asthma that will start an asthma attack. And then we have a whole nother problem because then we have to give them um, steroids, which is not great for having them have these, uh, um, you know, in case they get infections and stuff. Like, it's just just not a good thing. So we want to try to, like, decrease the chances of them having asthma attacks. but. Spray the feel away away from the kennel and then put the feel away into the kennel or the towel feel away into the kennel. Um, And then, you know, trying to get them to eat. Ideally, we want them to eat their wet food, but if they won't eat their wet food for for the urinary food, then that's not a big deal while they're in the hospital. Uh, we also don't want them to have a food aversion to the, this new food that we're gonna be giving them. So if they'll only eat chicken in the hospital, fine. If they'll only eat tuna in the hospital, fine. If all they want is churro in the hospital, great. You know, anything we can to try to get them to eat. But you know, if they don't eat their urinary food, not a huge deal. So try to get them like as comfortable as possible. Hopefully, we'll have our cat word soon so we'll be able to put them into the cat ward and again like just to have them away from all, like all the barking dogs and stuff now the next big thing for that hospitalized person so Lindsay's gonna be really big on making sure that urinary catheter stays really clean so we got those new cool meal bags um, the big things about those Miele bags is there's these up arrows on them we do have to make sure that those up arrows have to stay up uh, they have a valve so that it doesn't backflow. But those are temporary things. So if that lays down all the time, it will wear down those those valves, and then it will be able to backflow. So we want to make sure that they are sitting up, so that that arrow is truly sitting up. So holding, you know, having them hooked onto the cages or hooked onto those little um, white tabs that are on the sides of the kennels, uh, just something to make sure that those are sitting upright, so that, that doesn't backflow. You know, if it's if you need to bring the cat over to the counter and just have it down sitting sideways for, you know, 5-10 minutes at a time, not a big deal. Like, that's what that's for so that it doesn't backflow that way. But otherwise, the rest of the time, it should be sitting up. And then just anytime we're, you know, anytime we're like messing with their urinary catheters to wear gloves... You know, we don't want these cats to reblock. Like, it's a really big deal for these owners and this cat in the first place to have to go through all of this. It's hard on that cat's body. It's hard on the owners to be able to have to, to, you know, pay for their hospitalization and then to pay for all of this food afterwards. And we don't want them to reblock just like a week later because they got a urinary tract infection because we just didn't wear gloves. So wearing gloves anytime we're dealing with their their urinary catheter, you know, the line, anything... Just wear gloves, and then once a day to wipe down their urinary line with um, chlorhex wipes or just gauze with chlorhex on it. Uh, just anywhere from their catheter, just like the, just literally right around the prepuces all the way down their line, um, and especially down by their prepuces because think about like where that's sitting. You know, there's no way for us to get it away from their butt. It's like literally sitting next next to their butt, right? So that we want to try to keep it as clean as possible and that's the best way we can keep it clean you know if it's not coming from the bacteria from our hands and it's coming from the bacteria from their butt uh, but that's the best way that we can try to help decrease the chances of them re-blocking so wiping everything down just like once a day making sure everything stays as clean as possible and then i um, recording just like if the cat's urinating around that urinary catheter will help us as well because if we start seeing that you know that's decreasing their amount that they're producing, then we're going to start worrying and we're going to increase the amount of fluids that they're getting and we're going to start um, worrying that the cat is too dehydrated. Um, so just like marking down if they're urinating around the urinary catheter uh, or we're going to start flushing into that urinary catheter when we really don't need to. And as we're flushing in, that's also not great for that cat because we could be flushing bacteria back into that, that uh, bladder and then introducing a urinary tract infection. So, you know, just keeping really good notes about them as well. All right, and then blood work. You know, so we had talked before about the potassium being really high. Most of the time, within 24 hours, the potassium does go back down to normal. Like I can only think of a handful of cats that potassium didn't come back down to normal and those cats didn't make it. But the other big thing we worry about is their um, creatinine and BUN. Those are their kidney levels. We call that azotemia. When their creatinine and bun have, are elevated and that does ho- after, sorry often occur because we talked about how that urine backs up from the bladder into the ureters into the kidney into the bloodstream so all of that that kidney stuff that should be filtered is not being filtered so those kidney markers the bun and the creatinine do increase and so a lot of times we're trying to flush those you know flush those markers down by giving them large amounts of fluids so we're rechecking their blood work uh, usually once a day until those values are normal again there are some cats unfortunately that are not going to be going back down to normal and uh, you know sometimes that's because those cats weren't normal in the first place we're just never going to know so when we talk about these blocked cats most of them are young cats usually one two three years old but some of these cats are like 7, 8. I've had an 18 year old cat that blocked before. So it doesn't mean necessarily like it's going to be a young cat. It could be any age cat that's gonna potentially block. You know, we also think about cats who, who are drinking water constantly that shouldn't become blocked. I have a cat who has a heart problem. He drinks water constantly. He gets wet food constantly. You would think that he wouldn't be able to block, but he's definitely has created crystals, and you would think that that couldn't happen. You know, I've had cats who have had kidney failure before who they've become blocked, and you would think that they're drinking water constantly. There's no way they could become blocked, but you know, it's happened before. So, you know, it, it could be any age, unfortunately. Um, but we're checking their kidney values, you know, once a day just to make sure that they are coming back down to normal. And after that 48 hours, sometimes 36 hours, like if everything went well, their kidney values were were normal in the beginning, their blood work, or sorry, their potassium was normal in the beginning, their their urine looked fantastic in the beginning, then sometimes those cats will just pull the urinary catheter after 36 hours. But most cats were pulling their urinary catheter after 48 hours. So the reason why is because they've done lots of statistics on papers and tried to figure out like what is the optimal time of like when will the cat be less likely to reblock but also not as likely to get a urinary tract infection by leaving the catheter in too long so 48 hours was kind of like the magic time zone of like this is when we should be able to pull the urinary catheter and not get a urinary tract infection and is less likely to reblock so that's why we stick with 48 hours so 48 hours we remove the urinary catheter and then hopefully the, u- the cat urinates. And as soon as it urinates, it's able to go home. If it unfortunately does not urinate, we're constantly checking it. We're giving them more medication to try to help you know keep them calm, try to get them to uh, get their pain under control. We're trying to put them in quiet rooms. Like We're trying to do everything possible to try to get them to urinate. And unfortunately, if they don't, that means we have to put a, another urinary catheter back in. And sometimes we give them another 24 hours and see how they do. And if they do okay, you know, and then we'll pull that urinary catheter. At that time, we're also checking for like a urinary tract infection to make sure we didn't get a urinary tract infection while we were in the hospital and maybe that was the cause of it, because you never know. And then, if they, like I said, if the cat urinates, great, send them home. Uh, this is where sometimes the discharge people, people who are discharging our patients and also those people who are in general practice now have to step in where they've never been exposed to this cat before. You've never seen a blocked cat before and now you have to get to, to uh, educate the owner on all of these things. So usually we have our discharge that we type up, you know, it talks about all of these things but but here's kind of like the gist of what we, we usually talk to people about, um, what we want them to know about things at home. So we send them home with their food. Uh, With their food, they need to be on that food only, like literally nothing else. So we talked about how that food can cause those crystals. So what this food does that we are sending them home with is it's a special veterinary diet and it changes the pH of their urine. So that that way they cannot create the crystals. It makes the pH of their urine neutral. So they cannot create those struvite crystals and they cannot create the calcium oxalate crystals. It is very neutral. But that means that they cannot get anything else. No cat grass, no treats, no human food, no other cat's food, no dog food, nothing else. Because everything else will change the pH of that cat's urine. So we usually recommend as long as the other cats in the household do not have a medical problem, like they don't have like a food allergy or kidney failure or something like that, that they should, like all the cats in the household should just be fed the same food. So that way, you know, that cat who who has these urinary problems cannot eat somebody else's food and then become blocked. The most common problem is that half the time other veterinarians don't tell them about these things And then they feed this food and they feed friskies. And then they come in two weeks later because they're blocked again. Because they thought that as long as they fed that food, that they could feed a different food and it was just going to cure their cat just by that. And that's not the way this works. They have to feed this food exclusively. The other most common problem I see is that they've run out of that food, of their prescription food. And so they go into places like, you know, boutique um, pet shops and they say, I had my cat on this urinary food. Do you have something like it? Because I want to feed my cat some better quality food that doesn't have any fillers. And they're like, Oh yes, of course. You know, we have this, this bougie food that you can feed your cat and it says urinary on it and you should feed them this. And then we're back to the same problem. You know, it is, doesn't do the same thing yes it has in there things that are good for bladder health like a lot of times it will have on there for um you know it'll have like cranberry extract and like things that are good for bladder health yes absolutely but it doesn't actually fix the problem of crystals by making it a neutral ph food it's still going to cost those crystals and we're going to be back in the same boat I have had one food that has helped with crystals that's been just food for cats. Um, and ha- it has a lot of moisture to it, so it has helped with it. But even then, I rarely tell people to use that. I tell them exclusively to use the you know, the diets that are good for, for um, the prescription diets. So there's three types of prescription diets. So if they find that one of those prescription diets, the one we usually send home with, doesn't work, there's two other kinds that they can try. Or let's say we usually send home the Royal Canin Urinary SO. If that's too expensive for them, try a different one. So there's the Urinary SO, the, the Royal Canin Urinary SO. There's Hills or Science Diet CD, which they have multiple different ones. Like They have also have ones that are really good for weight management. And then the third one is Purina. Purina U-R. They're the cheapest ones, and you can find them at Petsmart. And at um, uh, online at like I think it's Chewy if I remember correctly. It's either at Chewy or one eight hundred Pet meds. You know if they can't afford those, that's a, another option. It doesn't work for all cats, unfortunately. There have been some cats that it did not work for, and they've had like had to switch over to the urinary SO. But it's still an option. You know I always tell people like if you feel like you can't afford this one, try this other one. So, um, and we can give them a prescription for it as well. So, you know, we want to talk to them about the diet and then other things at home are going to be like, just trying to get them more water. So ideally we want them to be on a wet food diet, but you know, if they can't do a wet food diet, they can do a dry food diet. Like we go back to the fact that we want to try to get everybody to eat the same food. You know, one way to do that is to get everybody on the dry food and then sometimes feeding them just a wet food as treat. You know, if they want to do that to try to help save money, you know, that's fine. That's great just whatever we can do to try to get them onto that diet. Um, Another way that people can try to get them just to, if like, let's say that they just, is too expensive, they have like 16 cats and there's no way that they can feed everybody that same diet. I actually tell people, you know, there's other ways around that. You can get a feeder that has like their collar on it so that they have like those tags that recognizes that cat's tag so that only that cat can go feed off of that food. So, you know, if you have 16 cats, get 16 different feeders and have 16 collars and that's one way to avoid having to buy that food every, you know, every month for all 16 cats. You know, just do a one-time investment with that food, those food feeders uh, and those collars to to make sure that you you get the right food for the right cat Um, or feed them in separate rooms uh trust me the cats and when they're hungry cats they will learn that routine you want them to eat wet food in separate rooms at separate times they will learn to figure out which rooms they need to go to to get their food so you know there are ways around those things but other ways to get them water like let's say if you're doing just dry food diets you can use a water fountain so you can find them super cheap on amazon There's like a i don't know it's a, like a flower or something water fountain that you can find super cheap but you can find tons of different water fountains on on amazon for super cheap and um, cats really like it because it puts more oxygen into the water Uh, they really like that oxygen content in there Um, some cats like you'll notice that they drink from the sides of the cups and that's the same thing there's more oxygen in the sides of the cup so they really like that so i'll tell people sometimes like if your cat really likes to drink from cups then put out plastic cups you know that you know that are just for the cats, wherever the cat likes, to, likes it. If they prefer it on the counter, put a couple cups on the counter. If they prefer to drink from the faucet, then just once a day go over there and turn on the faucet. You know, that way you know that your cat is getting extra moisture because all that's going to do is dilute all of that waste product that's in the bloodstream, which is going to dilute the waste product in the kidneys, which is going to dilute all of those, those crystals and everything inside the bladder. And again, we're going to, Help decrease the chances of getting crystals and all of that idiopathic cystitis and all of those things that that cause that cat to block in the first place. Um, another big thing is weight. So you'll see that a lot of these cats who are block are fat. So trying to get them on a good weight management, you know, using that Hill CD for weight management can help. Um, try to get an exercise routine for them can help uh, doing laser pointers doing those mice under the the um, mechanical mice under the blanket type thing while people are gone can help Um, doing feeders instead of like if they're the only cat doing a feeder that's a ball so they have to make the ball move in order to get their food you know things things like that to try to help decrease their weight and then uh stress is another big factor of this especially with like the thing that we had talked about before called pandora syndrome that's kind of what they named it after uh pandora syndrome you know like pandora's box like as soon as you open the box like it's you know pandora syndrome there's it could be anything that could cause some of these cats to become blocked like there could be um You know, there could be a tomcat that's out there in the middle of the night that they don't know about, or there could be construction five blocks away that they don't know about, or maybe one of the other cats in the household is terrorizing them when they're during the day that they don't know about. So, doing things to help decrease their stress will help as well. So, having places for the cats to hide, uh, multiple places for them to hide, whether that's like cat trees, cat bedding. Um, You know, if you find that they particularly like one place like my cat likes to hide in the pantry you know if and that's what makes her happy so i leave the pantry a crack open so that she can hide in the pantry that's her happy place uh you know having um if they like to hide underneath something that you can put a little bed in underneath it like uh, one of my other cats like she likes to hide underneath the hutch there's a little bed under there so she can lay in the bed you know just anything that you can do to decrease stress having the if you know that there's construction that's going to be going on you know having sound on white noise uh the tv um the radio whatever it is that you can have on just to help decrease some of that noise if there's a tomcat that's in the area and that you they've seen it or there's raccoons or something in the middle of the night that are that is stressing the cat out having the blinds down so that it doesn't so the cat doesn't see the that um creature in the yard you know again like anything you can do to try to help decrease the stress uh if it's stress in the household using feel so usually you want to use the diffusers if that's the case so that means you need to like plug them into every room that that cat's in though so if the cat is if if your cats are allowed to go into any single room that means that every room needs to have a diffuser in it and they have to get changed once a month so you need to make sure that you talk to the clients about like it's got to be plugged into every room and changed once a month in order for it to actually be of use um yeah so i mean like a lot of this is just like you know talking to owners about uh just how to manage these things at home and then one other big thing is when you're talking about the diet is talking to them about like they have to be seen once a year to be able to get a refill of their medication, which is basically the refill of the food. And we don't want the cats to become reblocked again. So like a lot of times people forget, you know, it happens all the time, obviously, you know, so they'll they'll forget about it. So they'll say, you know, oh, I forgot. I just need another refill. So they'll get another refill. And usually the person who's doing the refills will say, you know look you have we're going to give you another refill but you need to schedule an appointment and you know you have to have your your appointment before we'll give you another refill um so just remind them like they're gonna need to get a another appointment before they can have another refill that's usually good for a year after that and then a lot of times they'll talk to them about like management and stuff as well like the doctor will talk to them about management stuff um but then also in whoever's doing the discharge paperwork will have to talk to them about like in a couple of weeks usually it's about two to three weeks out we're going to want to recheck the urinalysis so we're rechecking that to check to see if there's any more crystals in there any white blood cells is there any bacteria in there you know did we get a urinary tract infection while we were in in the clinic and so the people who were doing the general practice you know they're going to re-talk about all of those things that the people who were doing the discharges just went over you guys are going to be talking all about every, all of that stuff again with them because they're going to forget everything that they were just told. Um, so you're going to re-go over all of that stuff again and then telling them, you know, we're going to get a year analysis because we're going to want to check for these things and to make sure everything is okay. Make sure the diet is working. Talking to them, making sure that they are doing the diet appropriately. That they are not getting anything else. There's no other food or anything that they can get. And If they're really wanting to give their cat treats, there are treats that are specifically for cats who have urinary problems. You know, uh, Hills makes a a treat that's, that is good for cats who have urinary problems. And if I remember correctly, I think that, um, Royal Cannon does as well. And then, you know, if everything looks good, that's great. They're kind of maintained on that. They usually don't have to worry. Um, but they can reblock like within a, the next like 10 days after leaving the hospital. So they do want to be like really diligent about watching to make sure that they don't see all those signs before. You know, the vocalizing, licking themselves constantly, going in and out of the litter box. Sometimes they'll vomit. Sometimes they'll just find that They find come home and see them lateral. So I usually tell people like don't go on vacation right afterwards because this could potentially happen again. And if they do go on vacation in the future... To tell their pet sitter to like be really um mindful of this because that's really stressful for your cat for you to go on vacation and it might mean that your cat becomes blocked so your pet sitter has to like really monitor to make sure like your cat is urinating and that they know that that cat specifically is urinating you know whether it means like that pet sitter is staying at their house or maybe they have that cat boarded somewhere you know whatever it is just to make sure that they know for sure that that cat is urinating sometimes they might want to get a prescription for like gabapentin or something to help calm the cat down to make sure that they're not as stressed out during that period of time you know whatever it is to so just try to help make sure that the they don't reblock during that time period and if they do that that owner is reachable or that they have some sort of like um you know, something written or they have they've talked to the pet sitter to like talk about like what would happen if that cat does reblock. Are they okay with the cat being hospitalized? Do they have a credit card to be able to put the the hospitalization on if the cat does reblock? You know, have some sort of plan in case it does happen. because we've definitely had cats that have reblocked and unfortunately the the odor was on a plane and unreachable. And we've just talked about how critical these cases are, how serious these cases are, and the pet just didn't know what to do. And we had to just wait and hope that the people were going to get off the plane soon. And they were on a, I think it was like an eight hour plane ride. So, you know, trying to, trying to just talk to them about these things beforehand so that they have a plan in place. Okay. Well, I think that that's all I have for our broadcast. That's, that was a big one to start with. Um, I will try to see if I can do shorter ones after this sorry about that like I said, I just feel like this was a big one that everybody is involved with and if you guys have questions for me if you have any suggestions if you liked it let me know if you didn't like something about it let me know if you want more bigger words smaller words more explanation less explanation whatever it is just let me know Um, I just want to try to make these as useful for you guys as possible if you have specific um topics you'd like me to do you know email me and let me know i will do them as best as i can Um, i'm gonna try to do gp stuff as well as emergency stuff obviously you know i have my love for emergency but i will do general practice the best that i can um and you know if you hopefully like i said if you guys like this i will do very many more of them if you don't like them i won't be offended um just let me know Thanks, guys.